The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. I'm grimacing because it was such an opportunity. Possession-wise, I thought they were good, but they didn't have the cutting edge and they don't have Sam Kerr. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave for your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. All right, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. We've got a packed show ahead. We're going to talk to Ireland fullback Hugo Keenan just after 8 o'clock. He's had a, an enjoyable week of celebrating. I'm sure you've seen the videos at this stage. Uh, so he's going to join us after 8 o'clock to talk about that, uh, to talk about his rather brilliant Six Nations Championship at a personal level, nominated for player of the tournament. And, of course, the fallout from the red card for Freddie Stewart and get his thoughts. So Hugo Keenan coming up after 8 o'clock. We have Ireland centre-back John Egan coming away just after 9 o'clock spoke to him earlier today ahead of the game against France and obviously reflecting as well on last night's victory against Latvia we'll be talking plenty more about that with Dan McDonnell on the football show and looking ahead to what Stephen Kenny's starting lineup is likely to be against the French and John Giles reflecting on the week's football as well at half past 7 the Women's Six Nations gets underway this weekend and the Six Nations show between 8 and 9 also 53106 is the text number Add off the ball if you want to get in touch on our social channels. Richie McCormick, good evening. Evening, Nathan. Joe Malloy, good evening. Evening, fellas. Good to be with you. Uh, very, a great Thursday evening ahead. Of course, it'll do well to match our Wednesday evening, Joe. Oof. Tough, what could? tough day at work. Uh, very tough, yeah. The uh, Golf Weekly fraternity, uh, minus Richie McCormick. Of course, he, he counts himself amongst our army. Uh, we... Uh, well, not all of us, but 28 of us went to K-Golf World, which is, I suppose, Richie, if Nathan and I were to describe what heaven might look like, <laughs> uh, this is kind of it. It's uh, a kind of like a hangar, airport hangar type scenario with uh, food, bar and uh, many, many bays where you can play any golf course in the world uh, virtually, of course. So we uh, convened, we played a golf course, uh, resembled Augusta and... Then Gary Murphy and Damien McGrain put on uh, kind of a masterclass, which if you're into your golf was so interesting. And uh, then we did the Sawgrass Challenge, the 17th at Sawgrass, where you have that one green surrounded by water and each Golf Weekly uh, attendee had to go in front of everyone and attempt to find the green and uh, either be cheered or harangued, depending on how they did. And then we uh, sauntered into the night. Uh, it turns out that uh, the Golf Weekly crew, Richie, there's a lot of talk, but when the pressure is on and there's 30 people around in a semicircle looking at you stand over a shot on the 17th at Sawgrass, very few of them could hack the pressure. I thought you were going to describe something else there. It sounds a bit odd. Um, was this during the middle of the day? No, this was yesterday evening. Ah, oh, it's okay. That's okay. I was no. wondering, like, cause like well, well, sorry. Nobody, it, nobody have jobs amongst the golfing fraternity. This is our, uh, well, I saw some of them were there at about, so we were officially due to start at six o'clock. I think some of them were there at about half three, just ready, just ready. Thought they'd get there just early prepping. just in case <laughs> it opened up a little bit early. This is our third or fourth time down there, Joe. Uh, so that we, we don't need to be paid to endorse this. We can heartily uh, endorse this. Uh, but the first time we went was during COVID. We had to call it off at the very last minute um, due to the COVID regulations. But three of us still went down. And I'm fairly sure we were there for six hours solid. Mm. Good God. It is very, very addictive. But uh, we had a brilliant night. Uh, the Golf Weekly crew are very nerdish. When you meet them in person, you're like, no. wow, wow, you're, you're like, yeah, full on. Like, there's nothing they don't know. There's nothing they don't want to know. There's no amount of money they won't spend to improve their game. 
shocked. And uh, we had a brilliant night with Gary Murphy and Damian McGrain, who, uh, you know, two wonderful Irish golfers. Uh, Gary's on the show on a regular basis. McGrain, we don't hear as much from. He sort of does his own thing. He's working away down in Carlo. Probably not a big fan of the modern game and sitting down and watching the PGA Tour the way Gary would be and Peter Lowry would be. But he is of that generation, Joe. I was saying this in Golf Weekly earlier that we sort of forget just how brilliant a sports person, how brilliant an Irish sports person somebody like Damian McGrain was. A European Tour winner at a time when winning on the European Tour really meant something. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a pretty good chance that Peter Laurie and Damian McGrain and Gary Murphy are amongst uh, the most underrated sports people of, I mean, I don't know, 21st century. Let's let's go with that for easiness sake. Because when they were winning their tournaments, Padraig Carrington was winning majors and Darren Clark was winning majors and McElroy was the wonder kid and McDowell was doing his thing. So their European tour wins did not create even a ripple, not a ripple. And could you imagine now if McGrain and Laurie were winning European tour events, plural, and Peter was the rookie of the year in his first year, they'd be much more fated. So they were very unfortunate with their timing and they are underrated. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I remember saying to you last year, they walk in now and they're all kind of, they're all around that 50 mark and deciding whether to go on Champions Tour or not. And, uh, you know, they, they, they look like 50-year-old men. Um, but then, but then, when they stand up and address a golf ball, you're like, oh my God, wow, you're kind of in that 0.01%. It is one of the great missed opportunities of our time not to have had a documentary following Damien McGrain, Peter Laurie and Gary Murphy during that period. Like, that is your proper full swing episode. Mm. They used to basically tour the world, sharing a room together, having dinner together seven days a week, uh, knowing every little thing about each other's personality, and even listening to them last night, how, how well able they are to understand the little quirks of each other. And at a tough, you know, they had their, they had their great days. There were some tough times in there as well you would just love to be able to go back in time and follow them around for a year and how they grounded out and how they got through all the traveling and the last minute call-ups and scrapping for their mm. cards at times. And then like McGrain and Lowry win within three weeks of each other on tour. The two of them get their one win within three weeks of each other, sort of inspiring each other. So uh, yeah, if you get a chance to come to one of these days, uh, Damien McGrain fair play to him just popped up. His brother is a listener to the pod and just came along. Yeah, brother friend of the pod. I'll tell you this about McGrain. Like, it's funny, all week we've talked about Johnny Sexton's uh, singularity of purpose and mind. Oh, McGrain is impressive in that sense. Like, he, the way he talked, he was giving advice, obviously, Rich, you know, to the, the, the masses. And that's hard to do because everybody's at a different level and have their own quirks. But he was talking about belief. And he was saying, my A game was not a patch on a lot of the lads around me. And I knew it wasn't and they knew it wasn't. But I just kept coming with my A game. And I just kept hitting the shots I knew I could hit. I didn't take on shots I couldn't hit. And I kept coming at them and I kept coming at them. And I mean, the way he was talking, it would almost get you kind of uh, fired up. But I tell you this, do you want to know the moment of the night, Richie? Go on. Uh, so we have three, uh, Peter had to pull out, but the plan was to have three uh, European tour players there. Uh, myself, Nathan, Fionn. We have six microphones. I had to, the very microphone I'm speaking to you from now, I brought it with me. Six microphones. We're going to record a brilliant podcast from K Golf World. Uh, Nathan turns to me uh, midway through the evening. Uh, I think I forgot the recording equipment. Oh, These things happen. Dear. These things happen. Uh, Shocking. Come things happen. On. Listen, everybody there had a good time regardless. <laughs> Some of the things that were said were, were unbroadcastable, it turned out. 
for the I best. know there's only two or three other we friends. We still got a pod the up. We there. still got a pod up. That's all that matters. We never let down our listeners on a weekly basis, and we had a good time. We, we clearly just let them down. Uh, there's uh, Peter Laurie, Debbie McGray, and Gary Murphy. All these guys were brilliant young amateur golfers as well. Uh, there's people progress at different stages. So Hugo Keenan is on uh, after eight o'clock. Very good chance tomorrow that he's going to be named as Six Nations Player of the Tournament. And I'm sure people have seen the WhatsApp going around of the Black Rock C team under 14 game and there's Hugo Keenan wearing number 21 or 22 and I asked him about this because like, to go from there to playing for the Ireland under 20s Ireland 7s Leinster superstar mm. for Ireland while on a, not even making the C team and he said yeah absolutely true I was captain of the D team and I was absolutely delighted when I was called up to the bench for the C team at under 14 level he said soccer was his game um, you know played I think he played possibly with Mount Marion and was a really good really good footballer uh, but you know was desperate to make it in rugby and was maybe just that little bit behind in terms of his development and his growth and all of that uh, but stuck at it had this aim of getting on the senior cup team and managed to go from being captain of the D team at under 14 like the amount of young lads you write off thinking like, they're so, they might make the senior senior cup team to go on and play for Ireland uh, it's an incredibly inspirational story and uh, he's coming up after eight incredibly nice fella as well I'll bet he is I can sort of see how he might have been missed because you know he's not oh my god did you see what Keenan did spectacular at every turn it's over a period of time you realise geez, that guy's always in the right position mm. and actually it turns out I've never seen him drop a ball came close once this championship and so maybe that stuff doesn't reach out and grab uh, the he's, the, he's the Scotty Scheffler of rugby. He just does everything really well. Yeah, it's just. Uh, you're, you're taking that got, as a massive insult now. For I do, yeah. He's got a lot more <laughs> charisma on the pitch. Scott, Scotty's Scheffler the best has. player in the world, though. So it's you know he's got that going from. Well, whatever. Uh, so Hugo Keenan coming up after eight o'clock. Is that we get his thoughts on the overturning of Freddie Stewart's red card, and uh, also some of these celebrations. They've been having a good time. I, I presume you saw the video just, of them rocking yeah, up at I'm, Gary Ringrose's house. Yeah, I'm just glad you dragged him out of that house, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he reckons that uh, all the different Instagram posts and all that are... People are putting them up a couple of days after the thing actually happened. So it makes yeah, it yeah. look like it's still been ongoing. He's been back in Leinster since. So they've been back in for a light session and just a general catch-up and things are calming down again, is, uh, is what he claims. Mm-hmm. So that's coming up after 8 o'clock. Uh, Richie, let's get into the news round, which is, as always, with thanks to Gillette Labs, get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Uh, Six Nations show coming up with Ashley O'Reilly, Grace Davitt and Fiona Hayes after 8 o'clock. Ireland team has been named. Yeah, and 18-year-old loosehead Saiv McGrath will make her Ireland debut in Saturday's Women's Six Nations opener away to Wales. She'll form a front row with Neve Jones and Linda Jugang. Jugang is one of only three players named in the starting 15 with more than 20 caps to their name. Captain Nicola Friday and out-half Nicole Cronin are the others. Three of Ireland's backs, Maeve Dealey, Aoife Dalton and Natasha Bean, only made their Ireland debuts in last summer's tour of Japan. And there could be another debut off the bench for Leinster's Neve O'Dowd. Nathan, will you ask John Giles for his opinion on Free From Desire? Asked for that on YouTube. <laughs> I might, but I have a feeling you won't know it and then I'll have to sing it. Which is always an enjoyable experience, it's got to be said. But mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, it's sort of taken over. Like, it's been around for so long. Ever since the Will Grigg is on fire, which I thought really worked. Mm. 
It's, it is quite ubiquitous for every sporting occasion. Uh, let them celebrate. You wouldn't see me for a month if I did what they'd done, says Sam and Wicklow. We are letting them celebrate. I'm not in any way criticised. I thought it was quite let, nice the way they... Let them celebrate, Nathan. It was, it was Tommy Walsh, wasn't it? Remember when uh, Tommy Walsh didn't want to go celebrating with the Kilkenny Hurlers? He was done. He'd had enough. That's right. And they all rocked up at his house and dragged him out. Very similar to this Ringrose situation. Very, is, is it Gary Ringrose who's taking the video? No, it, it's, it sounds like an older gentleman unless it's his okay. a relative of some kind. But whoever lets them in was delighted to have them. In fairness, what, what an experience. <laughs> yeah. Gary's in there, in you go. <laughs> I, I saw someone pointing out Peter O'Mahony will have the entire garden redesigned by the time he leaves. <laughs> Free landscaping advice. Uh, love this chat about golf's lesser lights. Must be some amazing stories out there, says Frank mm-hmm. and Uh There is. That's why actually when you watch Full Swing, it is probably the Joel Damon story that's maybe... Yeah. The most interesting doesn't have the most the best nuggets because you don't know that much about him. But like and there's a there's a kind of comedic value as well to the relationship between McGrain and Peter Laurie because they shared a room. But you know we're not they we're not know everything. About, yeah, they everything. know the up, upper echelons where everyone. You know, I, I'm sure McElroy is not sharing a room. Uh, whereas they, you just have to picture them a la Father Ted and Dougal. Uh, they would share jelly beans and and just moan about how bad their round had gone every day the novelty of it might wear off after a while I gotta be honest <laughs> once a year is once a year is just enough for everybody yeah uh, so last night Richie uh, the Republic of Ireland just about yet again got the job done 3-2 <laughs> against Latvia uh, Will Smallbone was man of the match now the question is has he done enough to get him into the team for Monday yeah, Stephen Kenny certainly says Smallbone has played himself into contention to start in the Republic of Ireland's opening Euro 2024 qualifier with France. The unloaned Stoke midfielder, as you mentioned, put in a man-of-the-match performance as Ireland beat Latvia by three goals to two. Smallbone was involved in both first-half goals, with Kenny saying the 23-year-old deserved his chance. I obviously watched a good bit of Stoke recently in the last seven weeks. just been so impressed with how he's kicked on himself. Like He was a good player earlier in the season. He was in some games and quiet in others and, and quiet within games at times, you know, in terms of good moments but not dominant in games but he's been very good for Stoker. He's really added other aspects to his game and uh, has come on a lot. So he gives us something to think about certainly and uh, increases it and I think Mikey has a snapshot sort of what I think Mikey can be. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about this over the course of the evening with mm. John Giles, uh, Dan McDonnell and John Egan, who I was talking to briefly earlier on today. Uh, text from our message from Jerry on YouTube. Kenny's game management, very poor. We're sloppy at the back. Latvia repeat of the Armenia collapse. Same issues last year still remain. Kenny still struggling. It does feel in every game it's one step forward and not, not even two steps back, just one step back and they're staying in the same spot that... You're 2-0 up at home against Latvia. It's cruising. It's a nothing game. Nice little build-up. And then out of nothing, they can see two goals from the edge of the area. If there's any amount of statistics out there in terms of the XG for the nine goals from outside the area, Ireland have conceded it's like 0.58, yet have conceded nine goals. John Egenfeld, it's freakish. Said they haven't been talking about it. That if you look at the goals, they're just world-class finishes and these things can happen. Yeah. You break it down, there's issues in each one of them. But it's undoing a lot of the good work because it's cost Ireland in some massive games, particularly against the lesser lights, letting them back in. Mm. And again, what should have been a, a good positive experience in front of a big crowd leaves everybody questioning what they've seen. Yeah, like I, I, I think it's both freakish and too much of a trend to ignore if I'm allowed to have two differing opinions. And I Look, there's a, there's a trend with this team of just being too pleasant to play against. 
you know, against Scotland at Hampden Park, you think of chances, and we're, we're, we're several years into the Kenya regime now, chances being gifted to the Scots in the box. You mentioned the Armenia game, team not switched on. That's unlikely against France. France will be an incredibly different game. It will sharpen minds. It will be akin to the performance in Portugal. But, uh, you know, that, that lacks, uh, you know, Doherty's pass, it's it's just one pass. And so you hone in on it too much. Uh, there's a danger of that, of course, but it's it's too lax in the same way his defending away to Scotland was too lax stopping the cross. Like they're doing a lot of good things, but they, they still look very vulnerable to me. Even the build up to Ireland's first goal, the Odetta goal. And, and on paper, that is amazing. Mm. That is a left wing back finishing off cross from a small bone Doherty combination on the right hand side. Wow. I mean, that's a... That's a Roberto Mancini, Antonio Conte dream. Uh, but at the same time, in the build-up, Ireland are like sketchy in possession when they try and progress the ball. There's a slide tackle in midfield to, to keep the move alive. Now, against sharper team in France, better team in France, do you suddenly expose yourself with men ahead of the ball? I would worry that we do. I would worry that we're going to gift a goal to France if we if we try and play that way. I, I think, therefore, we'll, we'll defend deep and it'll be that kind of a night. But there's there's too much possession for me Nathan in our own uh, final third there, our own two, third sorry not the final yes third, precisely there, there is still and, and you're, you're I was very forgiving of this uh, for the early part of the, the the tenure for obvious reasons but there's too much possession going nowhere they're, they're nice patterns but they're not hurting teams and I think now like we have the weapons you, you Evan Ferguson I mean that guy since he's been 10 years old he has an ability to, as well as to score goals and, and god what a joy that is that he found a right place right time striker mm. my god thank you but he, he can drop deep and we can get runners in behind him and we have speed and we should look against all teams not least the better teams you think of the Argentinian goal against France in the World Cup final that that brilliant goal which was very direct quick passing up the pitch you know that that kind of a goal is 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 one that we're more likely to score of that vein like Wes to McLean Austria away as opposed to cutting these better teams apart. So, look, I, lo- I love that this team don't boot the ball away. I love they have a respect for the ball. I love that they're trying to show adventure. But, look, my sense at the outside of this campaign, at the outset of this campaign is we still feel very, very fragile. And we still like feel like a very nice team to play against as opposed to a more hard-nosed Irish team. Um, I think France will will sharpen minds and we will be a bit more hard-nosed. Um, so I, I don't know. I saw Gavin Cooney wrote a piece saying Ireland are a bloody confusing team. And, yeah. and at the moment, they are a confusing bunch. There's so much in that of say the way they're playing at the moment and in fairness I think at the end of last year it got better there was less of the as John Giles would have criticised them for possession for possession's sake so we have the ball but we're never going to do anything with it and you watch the way they're playing it around at the back last night we sort of look at those three centre halves and think they could be there for the next 10 years you know once John Egan uh, gets through the next couple of campaigns we're confident that these are three young progressive ball players and they're all getting a lot of the ball and the opposition Lafayette are pushing right up but Time and time again, it went out to Odauda and back. Out to Brown, a drop deep. Come back in. Doherty, back in. It feels that that next little bit is all that's holding them back, which is they've pressed right up. We have three good ball-playing centre-halves, yet none of them are pinging that ball in quickly, beating the press, getting Evan Ferguson to drop deep, and suddenly the midfielders are running on past them. And it just sort of breaks down. And because there's so much possession inside that... Ireland defensive third they're getting nervous and suddenly they're getting sloppy and suddenly a mistake is made out of absolutely nothing and they've they've kept the ball and brought on this Latvian pressure 
but then actually just let them have it or made a mistake and given it back instead of just having that one ball and listen maybe we're overstating their ability maybe it just isn't there or maybe it's the lack of quality in the middle midfield is a bit of a lack of trust but yeah. you cannot play around at the back like that against France because they are going to be on you and if they press up you've got to be able to whip that around around the lines you've got to be able to release Evan Ferguson you've got to be able to release Michael Obafemi or even get it into Smallbone and it is as you say just total confusion because again we look at we're defensively we're fragile yeah. but we feel that actually individually all those defenders are really good yes yeah what did you Absolutely. make of it Richie yeah, I, like, I, I keep coming back to that that point that Gav actually, I without wanting to turn this into the Gavin Cooney appreciation error, um, he tweeted before the match last night that Ireland's average age was 23 point something and the average age of the World Cup is 28 point something. And there is something to be said about having international experience and having a bit of cop on uh, that comes with years and comes with having 20, 30, 40 caps under your belt that most of this team just don't have. And they're learning on the job, uh, a lot of them at the moment. And then there is the case as well, maybe half of that team that played last night aren't playing again on Monday night and you have got experienced heads like Coleman and Egan coming back in and maybe one or two others and I, I just I, I find it hard to judge anything based on last night and it would have been any friendly international it would have been hard to judge because like it's Latvia and the, the team is going to be half changed and it, this isn't making excuses it's just you don't really have any faith that positively or negatively if anything was to come out of last night that it would impact hugely on what's going to happen on Monday night yeah I think that's fair enough that uh, 10 o'clock Monday night we're not talking about the Lafayette game uh, regardless win, lose or draw against France a uh, couple of messages in on the Irish players rocking up to Gary Ringrose's house which I think get to the heart of it lads did you see Ringrose's house god almighty Ringrose family home Ringer's dad Nile at the door rock legends himself says Saki uh, mm. everybody says this is nice but really you want to see inside Gary Ringrose's house I, I have to say the, the disappointment for me of the week is that that video stopped when it did <laughs> I want the full tour get in like, there does Gary live upstairs or does Gary live downstairs <laughs> Gary's moved his parents downstairs he's taken the uh, top two floors damn right um, yeah that, that, that was a pity Lads, talk about the support at Lansdowne Road last night. There was none. Once or twice, Ireland, Ireland, that was it. Pathetic. Nothing on the tannoy to generate enthusiasm. It's a boring experience going to Lansdowne Road. At least away you'll get Fields of Athenry once or twice. Mind you, on Monday we'll probably get the usual give it a last jack, Mexican wave nonsense if things were to go well. We desperately need someone to take over the tannoy and entertainment at Lansdowne for games, including the introduction of music like the music played at the darts or other music. Indeed, yes. how about you start a campaign inviting a few ideas here <laughs> for what we can play to get the crowd going. One final point, they should introduce the kiss cam at half time for a bit of fun. <laughs> do you agree? Regards, yeah. Peter Fry. Peter, I do agree. I, I feel like you're in the minority but I think the kiss cam we could all get kiss on board cam. with I, I can see it now with our uh, headsets on they've been half time so the FAI have listened to all the criticism that the RFU have been getting about <laughs> going crazy with the music and said we'll just let the crowd generate their own noise and yeah. in fairness Latvia at home in a friendly maybe is not the game to trial that on no, no. going to be an amazing atmosphere on Monday let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's revisit it after yeah. Monday this week on Off the Ball, we had an hour of Kenny Cunningham and a slight tangent. What a time to be alive. Any chance of a dad cast episode with new father Joe Malloy, says John on YouTube. Haven't been asked on. We'll see. He's everywhere Close else. Shop, Joe. He's everywhere Close else, shop. isn't he? Haven't been asked on. I have, a fee. I have a fee, obviously. Well, but, you'll be the uh, first band I'm, to get paid for it, so I'm willing to discuss. Best of luck with that. 
Uh, Richie, what else you got for us? Uh, we should mention that France game. Didier Deschamps says he has no concerns regarding Antoine Griezmann's commitment to France. The Atletico Madrid forward was passed over for his country's captaincy with Kylian Mbappe saying today that he wants to be a unifying presence as captain. Speaking ahead of tomorrow's Euro qualifier with the Netherlands, Deschamps said there was no signs of unhappiness with Griezmann in training this week. Pictures uh, coming from Claire Fontaine would suggest just as much as well. Uh, Shane Larry, meanwhile, is heading for an early exit from the WGC match play. He has just lost his second group match to Mackenzie Hughes, the Canadian winning four up in that one. Uh, Seamus Power and Adam Hadwin are all square with seven to play of their group 13 encounter. Roy McIlroy already has a win under his belt. He takes on Denny McCarthy and they go out at 10 to 8 Irish time. It's the match play. I don't know if you ever read a huge amount into it. Well, These things can happen. It has been a very inconsistent start to the year. He's had a couple of tournaments, Shane Lowry, where yeah. he's been brilliant. Obviously, he's split with his caddy, uh, who I think is on the bag for Tyrrell Hatton this week, boys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're two weeks away from the Masters, so I suspect there's a bit of frustration for Shane Lowry. There is. Uh, talking to Peter on the podcast today, he was watching last night and he said that he was a touch worried, frankly, by Shane's body language, demeanor, mood, very, very, very frustrated with himself, with everything down on himself, did not look like he was enjoying it. I mean, we saw him smash a club, break a club a week or two ago, uh, probably not holding the putts. He feels he, he could or should, and that's a frustrating place to be. So, um, as you said, a few weeks out from Masters might be a good time to, to reset and and uh, and think about that. That was Peter's uh, sense. Although, listen, before we feel too bad, Nathan, the two of them and their dads went to Augusta and played 54 holes last week. So hmm. life ain't so bad. No, no. It could always be worse. It's good. Ne- never have sympathy for professional golfers. No. It's the one rule of Golf Weekly. <laughs> uh, some interesting transfer news for Oh, Connacht. yeah, yeah, they've signed uh, Argentina international Santiago Cordero. The 29-year-old is comfortable on the wing or at full-back and will end a four-year stay in Bordeaux at the end of this season. Cordero has won 45 caps for the Pumas and started in that 2015 World Cup quarter-final win over Ireland in Cardiff. It's exciting. I was uh, texting a Connacht player earlier today about something else and he texted, he ended the text with some signing today. It was hard to keep that under wraps and I had missed this story completely. I was, I was like, who? Something happened in, off the ball that I don't know about? But obviously the Connacht players are very excited about this. Yeah, and every right to be is he's a really thrilling prospect and somebody who's a, a real live wire and you think of what their back three could be uh, next season when you throw in Mac Hansen in there too. Um, it's really, really exciting stuff and there's going to be a fantastic brand of rugby on that 4G pitch at the sports ground next year. What were you texting a Connacht player about? Private, Joe. Private. Are you in the Can habit of texting Connacht players? players? I'm, when I do, I make sure I mention it on the radio. <laughs> I'm thinking... <laughs> It was just that he put this in. He put this in at the end. I was like, I didn't even know what it meant. I didn't know how to reply. (laughs) If I'd if I'd had this information, then as ever, it's just been an awkward five hours of me not replying. Thumbs up emoji to everything. Yeah, absolutely. Some people find that offensive. As in, it's a bit dismissive. Yeah. Yeah, but it's better than a voice I, note. I'll give you I, that. Well, I, I think we can all agree on that. The worst thing about voice notes is people start by saying sorry for the voice note. Mm. Please don't. Ever send me a voice note also I never listen to them I go I must I listen to that when there's nobody else around I don't know why I don't trust what people are going to put in voice notes and then I just move on with my life and never listen to it so don't send us a voice note 
mm-hmm. is, the, is the general message. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have got to go, but there is live football tonight, Richie. Yeah, Northern Ireland's European Championship qualifying campaign gets underway tonight. Michael O'Neill is back in charge for their Group H encounter away to San Marino. Uh, one nice note in that, and uh, hope for us all, Nathan and Joe, uh, San Marino tonight are giving an international debut to 40-year-old defender yes. Roberto De Vallo at the heart hey, of their defence. So congratulations to him. Uh, Owen Toll, the former Derry City defender now at Bolton, is on the bench and could make his debut uh, for Northern Ireland tonight. England in Naples facing Italy in their first Group C fixture. Harry Kane could become England's all-time top goal scorer in the men's game and all, th- uh, all of those games kick off at 7.45. Uh, Ollie on YouTube, the voice of reason to finish up. Lads, I think they played okay. Like with Arteta at Arsenal, trust the process. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if it suddenly rockets like that, I think we'll all trust the process. We're we're, we're kind of meant to be like battle-hardened, ready to go. This is the culmination of a long process already. That's the slight concern, you know? All right. Uh, Joe, enjoy the weekend. Okay, fellas, see ya. Richie, talk to you soon. Nice and lads.